0: Hi, I'm the strategist cowboy. Today I'm going to review two normal ABV lager type beers. One Pilsener from Falkenberg here in Sweden, I've been to Falkenberg, and one pure lager from the state of Bavaria in Germany, again a Bavarian lager beer. This week's two contestants are the Chopping Block from Backyard Brew and the other one is the Bayreuter Hell from Bayreuther Brauhaus. Let's get, Let's get ready to rumble. Our first contestant for this week is the Pilsner Chopping Block chopping block from the Backyard Brewery in Falkenberg, some couple of miles above the region of Scania. The ingredients in the chopping block beer assortment are water, barley malt, hops, natural hop aroma, and yeast. What do they mean with Natural hop aroma, I wonder. Is it artificial? The brewery says that they are environmental, or at least that they have produced this beer ecologically. The expiration date on this particular beer is the end of August 2023. I purchased this beer in late December 2022. It has been standing in my cooler since. The chopping block beer assortment comes in a size 33 centiliters, i.e. about 11 liquid ounces can. The can is orangey yellow and partly silver. There is a small black image of an ax and a chopping block on the front of this cans silver colored section. But the silver part on this can is just the can's natural metal finish. The chopping block beer assortment cost me 13 trunor, i.e. 1 US dollar and 25 cents. That is a mere 46 cents for every four ounces of beer. Still, I don't get the feeling that this beer is mainstream by looking at the can, at least well duh the brewery is called backyard brewery but actually the brewery backyard brew is part of the carlsberg group system blogger says that the preferred serving temperature on this beer is 8 to 10 degrees celsius i.e about 46 to 50 degrees fahrenheit The Pilsener Chopping Block, Chopping Block beer assortment, has got a 5.2% ABV, 5, 5.2%, a high ABV for a Pilsener. May the ABV level not be jacked up with syrup? Thank you very much, Carlsberg. How about the experience then? A sweet and yeasty aroma. It's got about a two finger, two fingers plus tall head, and it's clear at least now. Uh, and it's a business, so it should be. Uh, but uh, the aroma is a little bit uh, yeasty actually, I don't know why, but uh, it's yellow in color. Not much bubbles in uh, the, on the glass uh, surface. First impression, well It's okay. It's a cheap beer even in Sweden for Swedish uh, circumstances. Uh, It's actually a little bit rich actually. And I'd say that it's uh, a little bit bread-like, white bread and a little bit yeasty. I I think it is, I I mean, this is a lager beer or a pilsner. It's not a a top fermented ale, but uh, I think, I think it's got a little bit of yeastiness in it anyway. I don't know why. It's... um, It's malty, and the taste of my, on my palate is a little bit non classy, or at least uh, a little bit artificial. It's more sweet than dry, a lot more, I think. It's not very bitter or hoppy. Well, it's not not bitter either. And it's not candy-like. since it's a prisoner. But uh, has it got any fruitiness? They say that it has, but uh, I don't... I don't think so. It's more an artificial taste. Not very much, but it's there. And not very little either. Uh, So no fruitiness, I'd I'd say. I don't want to put any fruitiness in it. In the description of this beer. But uh, there may be some spices. I'd say that there is or are, but uh, the undertone is a little bit artificial again. The carbonation level. I don't know. We'll see in a minute. It's not creamy, of course. And it's not acidic, but there are some aberrations in it. Artificial aberration, definitely. It's uh, of course not dark roasted, it's uh, light roasted. It's a pilsner. Uh, it's it's filtered, but still a, b- a bit distinct in its taste. Uh, or uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I'd I'd say so. Uh, let's see here uh, if there's any. Uh, Uh, Bread flavor with wort, no, there's not. There's no pineapple, there's no pine needle, there's no, and that's good anyway, but but there's no apricot, no, well, a little bit light bread-like. No banana, is it straw-like? Not exactly, not exactly. Is it syrupy? There may be some syrup in it, but I don't know. It's difficult to sense. I mean, uh, it's more artificial, when I can sense any syrup in it. There's no honey in it, no licorice. No clove. No fudge, no chocolate, no coffee, no raspberry, no blueberry, no mango, no tangerine, no raisin and no vanilla. Taste in it or flavors. What about grading then? Okay, how many devils do I grade this beer? I graded three devils out of ten out of ten possible, and that's it. Not, but it was a cheap beer, so what can you expect? Uh, but that's the grading I, I'll give this beer, and it's a Swedish beer. I grade them uh, equally critically and uh, scrutinizing. I scrutinize the beers. <laughs> I don't know if you can say that, but anyway. Let's move on to our next contestant. Our second contestant for this week is the Bayreuther Hell beer assortment from Bayreuther Brauhaus or Bayreuther Beer Brauerei AG. The abbreviation AG means a limited company. It is also a Kommanditgesellschaft Or KG, i.e. a limited partnership. For some reason, words like hell, the devil, or Satan are often part of a beer's name, or even a brewery's name, all over the world. The brewery has been around for 150 years or so. The beer assortment is brewed with water, barley malt, hops and yeast. The best before date on this particular beer bottle is late October, 2023. I purchased this beer in late December, 2022. It has been standing in my cooler since. At present date, it is late April, 2023. The bottle contains 50 centiliters, i.e. about 17 liquid ounces. The three-folded bottle label is mostly white and light bluish. This Bayreuther Hell beer assortment costs 21 Swedish Kronor, i.e. about two US dollars. That is 47 cents per four ounces of beer. Just one cent per four hour ounces of beer above the price tag on the former beer assortment. The preferred serving temperature for the Bayreuther Hell Bayreuther Hell is according to system load eight to 10 degrees Celsius, i.e. about 46 to 50 degrees Fahrenheit. The Bayreuther Hell lager beer assortment Has got a normal four point nine per cent ABV four point nine per cent. How about the experience then? One moment that. Pretty fad, piercing like aroma. It's got a three-finger tall, he- three-fingers tall head, and it's yellow and clear in color, very light yellow, almost watery. Uh, not right, uh, not quite, but uh, light yellow. Uh, it's not. It's, it it hasn't got much of an aroma anyway. The first impression is pretty normal taste uh, Lager beer. First impression. It's uh, not very rich, but not uh, watery either. I don't think it's bread-like. No, I wouldn't say so. It's not yeasty, it's more and the taste on my palate is a I metally, metallic, metalli. metallic. It's more dry than sweet, yeah, definitely. It's. Uh... Not very bitter or hoppy, and not candy like. It says on the bottle at uh, one moment. Let's see here. String nach dem Bayerisch Bayerischen Reinigsgebot. Gebraut. Uh, so it, it has got um, a serious uh, a Bayerish uh, Reyninski board. Uh, it's made made seriously out of Bayerish Reyninski board or something like that. Uh, It's um, not fruity, or is it, well, no. Perhaps a little bit spicy, a little bit, not much, but I don't know. The undertone is a little bit um, of nothingness actually. Well, it is beer, I can taste that. But it's not very characteristic in any way. It's like if they try to be blend. Or um, they don't want to stick out. That's never a good thing. When making beers, I think some people might think it's a better beer. The combination level, I don't know. It's not creamy, of course, it's not acidic and. uh, At least there are no aberrations. A little bit thin in its taste. It's, uh, of course, uh, normally roasted, I mean, light roasted. And it's filtered. Let's see here. There's no bread flavored with wort. Excuse me. So it's got some combination level. Definitely. It's not pineapple-like. Luckily, there's no pine needle taste, no apricot. I wouldn't say like bread, but I brought that up earlier. Um, no banana. Perhaps a little bit straw-like, yeah, I'd say. Luckily no syrup taste but no honey, no licorice, no clove, no fudge, no chocolate, no coffee, no raspberry, no blueberry, no mango, no tangerine, no raisin and no vanilla. Okay what about grading then? How many devils do I grade this beer? Uh, Well, I have to grade this beer four debits out of ten possible. And there's not much more I can tell about this beer. It doesn't stick out in any sense, any way. But uh, it's a a lager beer that gets blurred. I mean, the experience gets blurred with many other lager beers, and you won't forget, you won't remember it. And that's a tough review, but uh, four devils is at least better than three devils. Okay, absolutely don't drink and operate heavy machines, military or civilian. Drink responsibly or not at all. Don't drink at all if you're underage or pregnant. is somewhat unusual I call it crash course in economics barter economy vs. market economy silver and gold have a value also in barter economies but in a world where money does not contain precious metals it will become difficult to successfully incorporate developing regions into Western market economies. The market economy still took hundreds of years to develop in the Nordic countries, and the baby stage culminated with the Northerners trading in Roman coins, sometimes handled smelted, and silver filaments which, thanks to the scale, which which was every man's property in its most primitive form with a small stick two pouches, and three short threads. NASDAQ or NASCAR? Hedge fund managers, banks, and stockbrokers today use something called the black box to make money on bugs in the financial system. It is all about using technology to make trading become thousands of times faster than a person could ever react on NASDAQ and the NYSE. The black box buys and sells in the course of microseconds. This is called high frequency trading. The agents have developed computer programs, algorithms, that analyze patterns in the trade without considering the company's fair value. The computers search hundreds of thousands of stocks around the world and try to find abnormal patterns in trading. In past times, such abnormal patterns could be found by skilled stockbrokers, but it took minutes or even hours. Now it is done in microseconds. However, an agent is not allowed a greater advantage than that he must be connected with at least 300 meters of cable. So when the black box is plugged into NASDAQ, actually every box who is placed in the room, regardless of where where in the room, has the same opportunity to earn money as anybody else. It is a form of financial doping for the mentioned agents on the stock market which unfortunately lead to obvious advantages for those agents on the expense of small savings players. The largest black box facilities that are used today cost hundreds of millions of dollars to build. An agent benefits from trading at lightning speed, and it is important to have a fast connection and a short cable. The signals travel at the speed of light. In Stockholm, it is possible to rent a square meter in the same room as the Stock Exchange main computer. It costs XXXXX kronor a month. Everyone who rents space there gets exactly the same length of cable to the main computer. Ordinary stockbrokers, not to mention small savers, end up hopelessly outpaced. Their connections require seconds, not microseconds, and in addition, trading patterns must be analyzed cognitively, which takes time. If trade is completely controlled by agents with black boxes that compete with each other with microseconds as a weapon, ordinary people risk ending up in a situation where they can no longer make money on the stock exchange. Why then should they be active at the stock market? Why should they line up with money that gives no interest? The industry has problems generating capital. And when the stock market becomes uninteresting as an investment object, the people's money instead ends up in the housing market, where another kind of bubble can be inflated. But it is probably not primarily the public that is affected by the black boxes. The public saves in shares with years as, as a perspective. However, there are traders partly in the large brokerage houses, but also in the form of private individuals who are day traders and who have gained momentum when it has become possible to trade from their own computer with the help of low priced brokers, such as Avanza and Nordnet. But this type of trader has been trading with the perspective a few hours. They may have bought and sold the same share several times a day, something that, that has evened out irregularities in pricing and largely improved market efficiency. But those who had trade in the perspective of hours become bypassed when others trade in the perspective of milliseconds and microseconds. Bank after bank has also closed their trading departments since it turned out that this cash cow can no longer deliver any profits. Day traders have become a rare phenomenon in the columns of business magazines, probably because they can no longer make any profits and thus slowly are disappearing from the market. Or has already disappeared. High frequency trading is protectionist. It must be said in connection with black boxes that not only are the market economy and small players threatened, but business is also stacked in favor of the countries and financial institutions that are geographically closest to the US and Wall Street, and that have microseconds or even milliseconds faster communication with Nasdaq and NYSE due to the light, due to that light has a finite speed. This creates a time relay in the flow of information between agents in different countries, which means that effective tariff rates are created between the financial centers. When the length of the cable becomes decisive for market success, a new kind of protectionism is created, a post-globalist protectionism. A Swedish agent with money can always afford to build a black box facility in the outskirts of New York if he can find land for this purpose. If he is already in NASDAQ or NYSE's premises, he of course has a small black mini box available. Economics is a social science, and the Latin word capita means head or person, from which the word capital derives. The problem is that money is equivalent to people, Which means that when the agent makes money on NASDAQ or NYSE, it means that he loses most of the money invested in Sweden to the US economy. The money only exceptionally comes back to Sweden and contributes to the Swedish economy. It doesn't have to be so, because we have the same opportunities to get American money home to our country. But under current circumstances, The United States is large with a lot to to offer, and Sweden is small and uninteresting, except culturally. We lack marketing and charisma. The Swedish agents can have a black box facility in Sweden if they are smart, which means that they may find it easier to keep our Swedish money in Sweden, and that the Americans find it more difficult to compete for capital, people. The US is ahead with the implementation of black boxes. In Sweden there is still resistance to high frequency trading. The winner is of course the US. This is proven by the fact that significantly more Swedes move to the US than Americans move to Sweden. And this means that the economic weight is to be found in the US. It does not really matter that you can plug in a small black box on Nasdaq as a Swede because all you do is contribute to the american economic system for the most part but after all but after all it's better to be present on the nasdaq and the nyse on equal terms by having the black box than not to be the problem is that the stockholm stock exchange is owned and operated by nasdaq stockholm rb which since 2008 has been part of nasdaq inc The share in this company is listed on the Nasdaq stock exchange. Nasdaq also operates the stock exchanges in Helsinki, Copenhagen, Reykjavik, Tallinn, Riga and Vilnius under the common name Nasdaq Nordic. Anyone can see the long-term consequences of this. Doping in some of the financial markets of the Western world is not good for the market economy And therefore, it is not good for growth and prosperity. Doping can even be a contributing factor to the financial crisis and a strong contributing factor to large parts of the world not seeming to be able to recover from the economic crisis that began in 2008. As doping can be compared to tariff rates between countries, where some countries are favored over others by bringing these countries closer to the NASDAQ epicenter. Already in 2006, a third of all EU and US stock trading was driven by algorithms, i.e. automatic programs. In 2009, such algorithm programs accounted for 73% of all US equity trading. trading. Artificially intelligent self-learning black boxes can be assumed to have progressed and be generating even more money for hedge funds and banks today. Today, an average stock in the United States is owned for 22 seconds. But someone must lose the game when others win. And it seems to be the states, homeowners, small savers, pension savers, and peripheral small players on the financial market, depending on where you live in the world. Financial institutions deceive themselves and lose out in the long run on high frequency trading due to its anti-global nature. We should have acted earlier, but unfortunately the hedge fund players, banks and stockbrokers have had time to invest hundreds of millions in giant electronic indoor facilities. If we do not get the United States with us on the black box issue, we will probably have to live with this phenomenon. As early as in the 1920s, there was an equivalent to the black box, so-called ticker tapes, teleprinter strips. Ticker tapes were found everywhere in the United States on ocean-going ships, cranes, beauty saloons, bars in villages, and everyone from directors to housewives to shoemakers speculated in stocks in America in the 1920s, though mostly the middle class. In Europe, only aristocrats were involved in the stock market. The difference between the ticker tapes of that time and today's black boxes is that with ticker tapes, it was always people who pressed the button to buy or sell. Even though they had a real advantage over the British and the rest of the Europeans. Since it was people who pressed the button, the difference in cable length was highly marginal. The finite speed of light made little difference. What made a real difference was that the American stock market was democratic, while the European one was feudal. Only in America were teleprinters teleprinters available to the public. Does the black box have implications for the world's economies and ultimately world peace? The black boxes have replaced ticker tapes and high tariff rates as a protectionist tool for certain state leaders to create economic benefits for their own country, at the expense of the economy of the rest of the world. Protectionist decisions often emanate from an international economic crisis. But tariff wars in any possible form are probably always counterproductive for the country that implements them. Tariff wars can also eventually lead to war. It is not obvious that the world's state leaders are fully aware of this. In September 1922, the fordney mccumber tariff bill was passed as a more urban successor to the agricultural protectionist, the emergency tariff of 1921. Approximately 1923 to 1924, the Germans got hyperinflation in the D mark. This tariff bill was later followed by the Tariff Act of 1930, also known as the Smoot-Hawley Tariff, which was enacted on June 17, 1930, and which raised raised the United States' tariff rate on over 20,000 imported goods to record levels. In 1932, the United States had an unemployment rate of of 8% calculated on the 1930 census. Unemployment peaked in 1933 at up to 25% in some states. Shortly after Franklin D. Roosevelt was inaugurated in 1933, all of US agriculture in the Midwest was hit by severe drought and hundreds of thousands were forced to leave their farms. It is interesting that the US Republican presidents, who sat in office uninterrupted between 1921 to 1933, seemed to have preceded both of Germany's two biggest crises of all time, with increased tariff rates and on more goods, with barely one or two years shifting. The Republican initiative, the Dawes Plan, after Vice President Charles G. Dawes, deserved the Nobel Peace Prize at least. Thank you, and see you later, alligator. At a wild crocodile.